Welcome to the Littler Labor and Employment Podcast, conversations about employment and labor law issues that impact the workplace. Hi, I'm Helene Wasserman, and I'm a shareholder in Littler's Los Angeles offices. This is part one of a three-part series about juries and jury trials during this COVID era. Part one, we're all going to be talking about jury deselection during and post-COVID. The lens through which jurors view cases presented before them is dramatically different now than it was pre-COVID. People have changed and life experience has changed. And while living through this COVID era has been a shared experience, how jurors have actually experienced this era is anything but uniform. For some, the impact has been not being able to go to dinner when they want to. For others, it's been losing loved ones or becoming personally ill. Work experiences have changed. While some folks have had to learn how to cope with the challenges of working remotely, others have had to deal with the challenges of actually going to a work site, which may have been classified as an essential work site. And people with this whole range of experiences will make up the post-COVID jury. With me is Dr. Dan Gallipo, co-founder and president of Dispute Dynamics, a nationally recognized jury consulting firm. For decades, Dan has worked with clients nationally and internationally, assisting them in the formulation and communication of trial themes and strategies and preparing witnesses in jury selection. Thanks, Dan, for joining us. Thank you. Dan, during this COVID era, have you conducted any research or surveys to evaluate the changes in the jury pool and jury demographics and perceptions? Yes, uh, DPI has always conducted ongoing uh, jury research nationwide on employment issues. It's just a normal part of our business, and we've built a, a database over the years. Since the pandemic began, we've also conducted a series of national and local surveys to follow the impact of the coronavirus on jurors. Our focus has been not only on how events might impact jury selection, but also on how to more effectively defend these types of cases by understanding the attitudes and the expectations of the jurors and how they may be changing over time. Of course, we're also following feedback on trials that are actually starting to occur now. So, Dan, based upon your experience and surveys and based upon the jury trials that you have followed that actually have happened during this COVID era, how do you think a post-COVID jury differs from the pre-COVID juries that we're used to seeing? There are a number of differences, uh, but let me first point out the fact that even if you have a case that predates the pandemic, the fact of the matter is that the jury that's going to be sitting there evaluating it is a jury that is living through the pandemic. So the impact of the pandemic on jurors and their expectations is going to impact your case and selection, even if the events themselves predate the pandemic. For example, uh, jurors, not surprisingly, are much more traumatized. They're feeling powerless. They're feeling like victims and one of the other things that you see, and there's been a lot of publications on this, is much higher degrees of depression, drug and alcohol abuse, domestic violence, obviously extreme financial stress, and just sort of stress in general. And part of what that means is they're more impatient. Additionally, when you're really stressed out, you have a harder time paying attention. 
you have a harder time remembering complex information. So in general, through the entire trial, including jury selection, the keep it simple stupid principle is really going to apply because it's simply harder for people to focus. And one of the other issues that's gonna be very important is certain issues are gonna to come to the forefront regardless of whether plaintiff counsel brings them up or not or whether they're even relevant to the case. Obviously, safety being a central issue because now it's personal, as you said. It could be them, it could be a family member. Safety is critical. Additionally, what you also see is if you think of our typical plaintiffs, a lot of them are now classified as essential workers. And if you read the press, they're now the heroes. So it's not just a plaintiff anymore, it's a hero, it's an essential worker. It's someone providing the necessary services to the jury so they can continue to function in this environment. These are the people taking the risks. So that's been one change in the, in the environment. Another big change is more demand that procedures be followed, that they're there for a reason, companies should follow them. And particularly plaintiff jurors are going to have even a stronger desire for policies and procedures to be followed. And one related issue to that, which I'll touch on briefly, because uh, it's important for jury selection, is the employee waiver issue. We've actually done a national survey on that particular issue. And what we found was among the more plaintiff jurors, the people more stressed out um, that have suffered more financially, emotionally, they are less willing to enforce the waiver because they basically view it as having been signed under duress, as, as a, a coercive act on the part of the company. And the important element to that is also that it undercuts a potential safety argument that the company may be putting forth because you're not standing behind your, your procedure, so to speak. So the waiver issue is potentially dangerous and you have to explore it in voir dire. Another big difference, which we haven't seen since basically the depths of the financial crisis a decade ago, is the whole mitigation point, which again, you'll have to explore in voir dire. People can't simply quit and find another job, or if they've been laid off or terminated, they can't just say, well, I hustled and I found another job in two months. The reality is there are no jobs out there in a lot of fields, and so, jurors are much more willing to push back on a defense mitigation argument and give the plaintiff the benefit of the doubt. Related to that, and I think this is worth exploring if there's time in Baudir, is when you're stressed out, as we all are now, you circle the wagons and you wanna be with family. And so the notion that somehow an individual needs to move to take a job, leave their family, leave their sort of little neighborhood, their network of friends, disrupt their children's lives is simply not going to be an acceptable situation for a lot of jurors. So the geographical component of job hunting is going to become much, much more localized to minimize disruption to the family. It's also, not surprisingly, not a good time to have a client or a witness that is Asian, particularly Chinese. 
You know, Dan, we often talk about profiles and what kind of a profile we're looking for in a juror. And we always look to see who the defense leading jurors and the plaintiff leading jurors are. Has your perception of who would be a plaintiff leaning juror versus a defense leaning juror changed at all due to the pandemic? I think the good news, bad news is that my experience and all of the surveys that we've done have confirmed one thing, and that is the traditional profiles of the pro-plaintiff and pro-defense jurors have essentially remained the same. The difference is that the pro-plaintiff jurors, particularly the stronger ones, are angrier, more anti-corporate, less tolerant, and are best described as anti-corporate as opposed to pro-defense. And that's a fundamental distinction for jury selection. Have you determined that the jury demographics, that the actual demographics of the jury is changing? The demographics are, in terms of who's going to be good and who's going to be bad for a defendant, haven't really changed. In fact, again, we just conducted another survey looking at that. And what you find, not surprisingly, is, for example, African-Americans and Hispanics are uh, much more pro-plaintiff right now. And clearly, they're taking a lot of the hit in the uh, pandemic. Those people that are at the lower end of the economic spectrum, they've been laid off, their hours have been cut, their pay's been cut, they've been furloughed. They continue to be more plaintiff. Those people that cannot work from home but have to go in a lot in sort of in the service industry also tend to be more pro-plaintiff. And in terms of their feelings about the pandemic, the more stressed out they are, the more concerned they are about personal safety. They're really worried about the pandemic and their health. And also, as a result, they tend to always wear a mask when they go out. Those are also indicators that they're going to be more plaintive. And not surprisingly, if you just look at something basic like, are they Democrat, are they Republican? There's a huge difference. Republicans tend to be more defense. Democrats tend to be more plaintiff. And just for completeness, independents basically split their 50-50. So the worldview of the Democrat versus the Republican is just different in terms of the perception of the risks of the pandemic. Dan, how do you believe that the jury demographics may change on a going forward basis? The jury pool could, and I emphasize could, skew younger with fewer minorities and fewer people in the sort of 60 and over category. But that's going to depend on a number of things, such as location. Are you living in a, a hot spot? Elderly people are going to be more scared and less willing to come in for jury duty. And we've done several studies recently that have confirmed that as well as there's been a number of things from different courts that have proven the same thing. It's the same issue with, with uh, African-Americans and, and Hispanics. They're getting hit harder. Our results indicate they're a little less likely to come in. Now, other things that are going to impact that is simply the judge. Is the judge going to cut people slack? One judge uh, up in the Bay Area basically said it's people's duty to come in but if I have someone that's age 60 and, and says, I'm not comfortable being here, I'm gonna let them go. And so the judge is gonna be a factor. And also, what's your venue? Again, if you're in a rural area, for example, one of my colleagues just did one in um, 
rural Pennsylvania. They haven't really had much in the way of COVID. The jury pool showed up. They really didn't have a lot of concern about COVID. They got a good age range, but that's gonna differ from an LA or a New York or Chicago. So your location is gonna matter a lot, but it could skew younger and with fewer minorities. Dan, thanks for all of your comments. Do you have any final tips for attorneys who are preparing to conduct jury selection or deselection in the case may be in this COVID era? Yes, there's a number of things. First of all, and probably the most important is when you're talking to people, focus on adaptability. What do I mean by that? Everybody is going to have problems given everything that's going on today, because it's not just the pandemic, it's Me Too, it's Black Lives Matter, it's just a lot of stuff hitting us all at once. You're never gonna have enough strikes to get rid of everybody who says, I've had issue one, two, and three. The critical question is, how have they coped with it? Someone that has said, you suck it up and you get on with life, I actually want that person on a jury. Someone that basically says, I'm the victim, I've curled up in a ball and I, I'm defeated, I need to be taken care of. Is someone that's not only gonna find against the company, but more likely to lash out and give high damages. So focus on the follow-up question on adaptability. That is probably my number one suggestion in terms of, of voir dire. Now, I think that a few other things you can do is you're going to get expanded use of juror questionnaires, and it's not as easy to write a questionnaire as one would think to elicit information from people. And you want to elicit information, not indoctrinate people. The other thing is that check social media. There are attorneys throughout the country, including here in LA, where uh, plaintiff counsel uses social media as, a, uh, as an indoctrination tool for months, sometimes even a year, before the start of trial to, quote, educate the jury pool on their perspective. So check social media, Google your client, your key witnesses, the other side, and see what pops out. Social media is becoming more of a, a pretrial weapon, and with everybody locked down, people who weren't that familiar with it are now gaining a lot more expertise and reliance because there's nothing else to do. So those are just a, a few key suggestions. Thanks so much for your time, Dan, and for sharing your insights with us about jury deselection in this post-COVID era. Thank you. Thank you all for listening, and stay tuned for the next in this series of jury trials during COVID era, which is going to discuss trial-themed development during and post-COVID. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.